It's time to get your liquor out. It's a Reef Addicts podcast. Welcome to podcast number 11. This is Mark, a.k.a. Milev, and... I'm Jesse. Jesse, who goes by Jesse online. <laughs> we wanted to get another podcast out to you, and we felt that we had some really good topics that are very fresh and topical. This time of year, if you're in an area that's suffering from drought conditions, the ammonia levels are rising in our water tables because the city's trying to make it safer. So this is actually my big PSA for this week. I want you guys to be very aware of it. I called up a friend whose tank is crashing, and I asked him what was going on. And when I suggested he test ammonia of his source water and of his RODI water, his reply was, Sure, Mark, I'll go ahead and just get out my test kit that I've had since I set up my tank six years ago, because I've never had to check ammonia ever since I cycled it. And I was like, yeah, it's a good point. I understand. But you need to go buy a test kit. Now, API makes a ammonia test kit for freshwater and saltwater in the same kit. It's like 10 bucks, And you can go ahead and check. I went ahead and checked mine, and the ammonia was one part per million coming out of the tap, and out of my RODI, it was coming out of 0.5, not zero. Oh, wow. So, heads up. So, how'd you deal with it? Uh, I put in prime in my RODI water to lock up the last of it. Nice. But I talked to a friend of mine who has the same setup I have, and he set up his as a seven-stage system. So, now he has a pre-filter, then a... You're talking about the setup as in the RODI setup? Yeah. So okay. his RODI setup has become like an octopus. <laughs> it's got a pre-filter before the system. Then it's got granulated activated carbon. Then it has a carbon block and a carbon block and the 150-gallon-a-day membrane with a booster pump. Then it goes out to two DIs. And after, wow. after all that, his ammonia is zero. So he did it. <laughs> well, I would rather do what you have and just drop in a little prime. Yeah, but, you know, if you're really... I had someone else ask me, why does it matter? Your tank is designed to absorb ammonia and tra- change it to nitrite and nitrate. That's what it does. It denitrifies. And it's like, I don't want to add any more ammonia than what's already yeah. in the tank from why the fish you, peeing. If you, could, if you could drop in a couple things of prime, why would you even yeah. you know, want to have to put that in there? Yeah, I'm just going to pee in my tank because it can handle it. <laughs> prime <laughs> is cheap. Uh, it's made by Seachem. It... A bottle does, goes a very long way. Like each capful treats 50 gallons of water. So yeah. it's not like you're going to need to keep buying and buying and buying. And it's really this time of year. And, you know, I'm following a lot of friends on Facebook, and they're suffering from rain <laughs> and flooding. So they might not have the same problems. But all I'm saying is please test your ammonia and find out what's going on. Make sure that you're not getting a stealthy surprise that's going to hurt your tank because you're testing all the other normal stuff, and this is when you don't test. Yeah, most definitely. That's a good. It's a good thing to remember just to test your tank. I, uh, I have those stupid little um, dip strips because yeah. okay, I admit it, I'm lazy. I don't test as much as I should. So a while ago, I had gotten this can of those dip strips that have the six indicator tabs on them or something like that, mm-hmm. and I keep them on hand because it's kind of an easy way to check nitrates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I notice things are kind of not as happy as they should be in my tank. I won't take the time to test nitrates, but I will take the 30 seconds that it takes to dip a strip in. And I came up with approximately 20 nitrates, which in my little tank, you know, it's because Jesse hasn't done a water change in quite a while. Yeah, I need to get on that. 
But it's a good thing to remember to test your tank because, you know, mine is pretty self-sufficient and everything's living. I'm not having things die or anything, but, you know, it's creeping up there. I need to take care of it. Yeah. So we'll put in the show notes. And just so you know, you go to reefaddicts.com and on the front page will be the latest entry about the podcast. And right there, you'll find the show notes. I know a bunch of you guys are really not going to the site. You've actually admitted it to us regularly through email. I know. You made me eat my words, people. I don't like to be wrong, and you guys made me wrong. Well, another friend of mine is actually using the RSS feed to read everything elsewhere from our site. He doesn't even come to the site. He reads it on whatever. I don't know if it comes up in Word, (laughs) but he's not reading it on our site. I can't believe it. Okay, so that was my first topic. The uh, next topic is going to be one that's very dear to Jesse's heart. And Yay. I told her, I definitely want you to tell us all about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to do interview style. Oh, we're going to do interview style? Yeah, because otherwise you're just going to ramble on about some crazy story. And I need to get to the point. These people have lives. We have to keep moving forward. Oh, wow. Okay, America. I'm sorry. I do this with him on a regular basis. And how often does he just sit there and ramble on? And I think that my voice is way more pleasing than his voice to let it ramble. But no, he restricts me to interview style. So, Jesse, what did you do lately? Well, Mark, I went on a boat dive. So you dove underwater and found a boat? No, yes and no. (laughs) Tell us about your diving experience. It's so exciting. All right. So recently, in November of 2010, I got NAWI certified, which is scuba certified, by not PADI, but NAUI, N-A-U-I. I forget what it stands for, National Association of Underwater Instructors or something like that. Are you really a member if you don't know what it or stands naval. for? I, yeah, I, dude, my memory is so bad. You're lucky I can even remember what the four letters are. <laughs> anyway, so my diving experience thus far has been kind of up and down and up and down. When I was getting my... Wow, up, that totally makes sense. <laughs> wow. Diving? Up and down. Get it? Yeah, I do. I get you interrupting me. Um, anyway. It's an interview! <laughs> Meaning, you know what You know what Mark's word? or <laughs> You want to know what Mark means by interview? That he just can't sit and shut up and let me talk for 20 minutes. He actually has to interject. <laughs> exactly. 20 minutes. Oof. Oh, my God. All right. That Sorry. would be like real life. That would have been like you taking a mic underwater. <laughs> Let's get to the part where you're talking about which, the fun part. I don't want you to go on with negative stuff. I want you to okay. tell us, because you said it was your best dive. So start off that way. This was my best dive ever. All right. So I made plans with a friend of mine that come down from Fresno, actually. His name is Scott Vallenboys, and he's also on Wet Web Media. He's an author. He writes for you know Coral Magazine, Aquarium Fish International, and lots of uh, different publications, and he's also an underwater photographer. So we made plans to have a, an actual dive off of a boat off the coast of San Diego uh, last weekend. And since he's an underwater photographer, he has an underwater housing for a Nikon D90, which happens to be the same camera that I have, and Very he has nice. the, uh, the two strobes for underwater photography. So he comes down, and the morning of the dive... Of course, I oversleep my alarm because I didn't go to bed till late the night before. <laughs> the alarm goes off at 6.20. The dive boat, you know, it says to be there at 7. So I roll out of bed, throw on my swimming suit. Luckily, we packed all the gear the night before, and we were out the door by, like, 6.25. Great. And then got on the road, got to the boat, pre- basically right at 7, loaded up the gear. 
It was a small 38-foot boat named Marissa. And there was about 16 to 18 people, also the other other divers on there. And I was pretty surprised to see how many women. There was at least six women on board. And actually, the captain was a woman. She was mighty fine, too. Ooh. She had short little shorts and uh, knee socks on. Pictures? <laughs> pictures? No, I didn't take pictures of her. God. <laughs> All right. I'm cutting you off. Keep going. So Steamboat? We w- sailboat? Catamaran? Uh... Motorboat? Motorboat? <laughs> Motorboating? <laughs> <laughs> all right. How long was the ride out to the dive site? Well, first of all, we got... This was my first time on a boat. I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! On a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat! I'm on a boat! I'm on a boat! Take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat! <laughs> In your life? <laughs> on a dive boat. Okay. All right. This was my first time on a dive boat. So getting the gear on there and everything was quite interesting. And I have a little piece of news for you, Mark, that you're going to die that I'm going to admit. Okay. I found a new use for Astroglide. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're so off topic. This is why I was going to interview you. Now, go ahead. No, this isn't off topic at all. We're talking about scuba diving. This is the legit reason. Okay, tell me why you needed Astroglide for your dive. All right, so that weekend, I got a brand new 7 mil wetsuit. I went to the, to the store and bought it, and I was super happy. I had to tailor the legs myself because I'm short. So you had to slather it on your whole body to get into the wetsuit? If anybody has ever put on a 7 mil wetsuit, it is like the hardest thing in the entire world. And I'm on a boat with 18 other people who, you know, have had time to break in their wetsuits and have experience to do this. And honestly, sometimes getting into the wetsuit can be like 10 minutes. So Scott, who is a veteran, tells me this little trick. He's like, (laughs) grab some Astroglide and just rub it on your legs and arms and it will make the suit slide on. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? All right. Well... I'm not stupid enough to like to bring the bottle with me onto the boat. So I squeeze some into a Ziploc baggie mm-hmm. and I take it with me and I rub it. And the wetsuit goes on in five seconds flat. Nice. I didn't have to struggle at all. That's I awesome. didn't. Yeah. Amazing little tip. I've heard I've done pantyhose. They, they definitely say put pantyhose. People sometimes spend a lot of money and get these like full body suits that look like long, long johns. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like a spandex long john. Mm-hmm. But why? To make you look like a superhero? Why when you can just rub Astroglide on your body? Amen, sister! (laughs) That's awesome! I love that there's another use for Astroglide besides fixing plumbing. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because that's the only use for it! (laughs) It's the only use I get out of it. And this podcast is brought to you by Astroglide. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> I can't breathe. Okay. Anyway, back to back to the topic here at hand. So it took us about maybe 10, 15 minutes to get to the first dive site. All right. Which was a shipwreck called Lazy Days off the coast of San Diego, like I said. It bottomed out at about 85 feet. And when I got there, I didn't have any breakfast. 
and I took a five-hour energy shot <laughs> oh, no. to, uh, to kind of yeah. wake myself up. All right. So I'm on the boat. I'm on the boat. I'm on the boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Take a good hard look at the motherfucking boat. And by the time we get there, I'm kind of feeling a little queasy. You can, like, my stomach's not, not too happy with me. So um, I go to the back of the boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Exhaust fumes are really just kicking up right there because we're idling, and I'm like, oh god, I'm not feeling too good. So I get a little sick, just a tiny bit sick. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna suck it up. And I, so I go and I, I put my gear on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna be the first one in the water. Just get me in the water, and everything's gonna be okay. So I put my gear on, and the wetsuit's feeling great. You know, I got the hood on. Borrowed the BC, borrowed the tank and everything, and you know, got my got my fins on, and we did this exit off the back of the boat called a long stride, which is just basically you know a step, a big step into the water. When I get down there, I look, and you can see like almost forty feet down, straight. It's like the clearest day ever. Even nice. the captain was like saying how absolutely clear it was. So we're in this water, and we're surrounded by um, these big kelps. They're just like shooting up from the bottom. Oh, unbelievable. So Scott jumps in. We go around to the top, to the front of the boat. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing I'm on the boat. anchor because basically you follow the anchor line down. And I f- realized, first of all, that I'm not properly weighted. I'm too buoyant. I didn't have enough weights on. So it was kind of a little bit of a struggle to get down. I had to actually kick my way down to 85 feet. And, you know, they tell you to pressurize your ears often and... That's what I did. So by the time I got down there, mm-hmm. Scott had the underwater camera, and he knocks off a couple pictures of me per, you know, first. Then I go through my, my mental checklist of everything that I have to do, and you know, I just start enjoying the dive, and it's absolutely gorgeous under the water. Best dive I've ever been on. Well, considering I've only been on like six <laughs> you know, the best of six. The best of six. Well, you know, so this wreck is at 85 feet and it's just gorgeous and clear. And there's all kinds of nudibranchs and, and you know, there's strawberry anemones and all kinds of stuff just like caked on this ship underwater. Yeah. So I'm still a new diver and everything is still like really exciting to me. So my adrenaline's pumping and I'm sucking down air like there's no tomorrow. And <laughs> Scott hands me the camera and I start to try to like actually take pictures underwater. And man, it's hard because the currents are like pushing you into stuff. And it, it's, it's a beast. Like I, you definitely have to really, really be comfortable with diving before you actually put something in your hand and have to be responsible for it. Yeah. So I only took like probably five or six pictures and then I handed the camera right back to him because I was more worried about keeping my buoyancy, like my, you know, neutral buoyancy, because you don't want to have your knees hit the reef. You don't want to have to like push off the ground. You know, you kind of want to just hover. You know, if you cross your arms in front of you, you want to hover like a foot above the ground. Well, that's kind of hard to actually achieve when you're a new diver. You end Mm -hmm. up flopping around you know, look like a chicken I've heard with wings, you know? You kind of like, oh, use your arms to level you out and everything. I wasn't doing it too bad, but... So we did that, and then um, 
I let him know at the halfway point when my air was up by doing the hand signal that we agreed upon before we went down. That's another thing that you're you're very you know important to do. We talked about before we went under because this is our first time diving together. All the right. hand signals that we were going to use to indicate how much air I have left in my tank. You know what is to look at something or you know to ask me questions, things like that. So I, I gave him the halfway mark. You know we turned around and we started going back towards the anchor. At about 800 PSI left in my tank, which it started out at 3,000 PSI. Mm-hmm. About 800, I think we started to surface. And I think we did a little uh, decompression stop for a couple minutes just to, because when you get down to 85 feet, you know, you got to kind of, you got to stop at a certain point, let your body mm-hmm. adjust, and then keep on going. Unfortunately, that was the end of the positive of the day. <laughs> well, let me ask you some questions about this now. Okay. Um, where the anchor hit the ground or the the reef, did it damage it? Did you notice? I did not notice. Because you and I are the kind of people that would because yeah, we have reef yeah, tanks. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. It would just hit wherever it hit. All right, let me ask you this. When you came up for your decompression point, was there like a mark on the chain to let you know you're no. at 40 feet? Are you reading a, some, some kind of gauge on your wrist? How do you know where you are? Scott, basically, because he's a master diver, he was in charge of that. He just kept track of on his dive computer that he has how deep we are. He knows all that. So basically, I was just on board. He was just kind of dragging me around, and I listened to whatever he had to say. Okay, so it was a dive computer that told yeah. you where you were. All yeah. right. Okay, so let's talk about why you ran out of air so fast. Because okay. you kind of touched on it, but you didn't really explain what happened. How long should you have been able to stay down with that tank of air? Oh, well, I mean, with that tank of air, experienced divers can stay down for 45 minutes to an hour. Right, and you had how many minutes? 20. <laughs> yes, you were sucking down air. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a typical thing of a new diver. I'm not going to, like, you know, be ashamed of it or anything, but... When I get down there, my personality is is very analytical and like checklist, you know, oriented. And I kind of go into overdrive when I'm down there because you're like basically 85 feet underwater and your heart's pounding. And it's it's still an adrenaline rush for me. Yeah. I can't wait to get to the point where I go under and it's like serene and relaxing. I'm not there yet. So once you get more experienced and you start going under more often it's going to be more serene just like you know if you floated around the swimming pool with a snorkel and a mask and just kind of like you know i don't know if you ever did that but i used to do that when i was a kid just float around the top of the swimming pool for hours with a snorkel and a mask like you said when it comes to doing this regularly it becomes much more routine and when i was swimming in my dad's pool as a kid he said swim to the other end with your with one breath and i did it he says now swim to the other end and back with one breath. Yeah. And I couldn't do it. And he goes, keep trying. And I finally got it. He goes, now swim three lengths. Yeah. Now swim four. Now swim five. And I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> but I was doing it because you obey your dad. You know, I just did it and I could stay underwater quite a bit. Yeah. Now I haven't done that in forever. And I'm going to have that same issue where I have to build up the tolerance. But it's very important to regulate your breathing. Yep. And I believe one of the very important rules you'd know from your classes is not to hold your breath, not yeah. to stop breathing while you're underwater. You cannot stop breathing while you're underwater. If you're if you remove your regulator, you're supposed to be blowing little tiny bubbles out of your out of your mouth. Just blow yeah. tiny bubbles. But yeah, it it's it's I'm gonna I can't wait until you get dive certified so I can give you crap for, you know, giving me crap over something Listen. down there. I am Aquarius. I have no concerns whatsoever about this. I know I'm gonna nail it like Aquaman. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You're going to hate me because I'm going to take to it like a fish to water. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well. You'll see. 
You'll be pissed. I know it. <laughs> You'll be really mad. Okay, so you were seasick, and it got only worse with an empty stomach and with five-hour energy. Well, no. I mean, I had five-hour energy and an empty stomach, and I got a little bit seasick. What surprised me is where I left off when I surfaced from the dive. Before I could actually even climb onto the boat, I got really sick right in the water. Mm. I was, you know, they sent me out a little line to hold on to so I didn't float away yeah. and just kind of sat there for 10 minutes up chucking. Wow. <laughs> After I felt like I got it all out, I climbed onto the boat, took, took my gear off, sat on the side of the boat and tried to have some Sprite and tried to have like a half a bagel. Mm -hmm. Then I got sick again. And, you know, I won't go into details, but my body started cramping. Like, uh, weird things were happening. I couldn't get my hand out of this position. Like, my, my hand curled up like a little claw. <laughs> you were getting the bends. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but my, my, my last two fingers on my hand curled up like a claw. I told the captain and my, my dive buddy, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And they're like, well, I think you could just be dehydrated or a mineral, mineral deficiency. Mm -hmm. So they fed me a banana and uh, some water and a Dramamine, and Scott suggested that I set out the second dive, which was going to be at Seven Fathoms, a kelp bed. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're really right. I'm, I'm extremely exhausted right now, and I don't know if the Dramamine kicked in that quick or if it was just being tired from waking up early. Yeah. So I, I went to the bow of the boat, laid down, and passed out. Like, I fell asleep immediately. <laughs> from that point on, I spent the next four hours... Basically, sleeping, rolling over, being sick off the side of the boat. Sleeping, rolling over, being sick off the side of the boat. <laughs> okay, so listen, if there are scuba divers that are out there listening to this podcast, we would love to get your comments. And you can put comments right under the show notes on reefaddicts.com. So please tell us, what would you recommend? What would be a good thing to eat that's light? Because I know I talked with some divers that would go to Cozumel, and they wouldn't even go to restaurants. I mean, they had little light foods like yogurts and stuff in their room. I mean, they just kept it very light so it wouldn't be heavy on the stomach. And what could she have taken or done to prevent this so that the next dive will be much more enjoyable and not have to end with such excitement? <laughs> well, I also would like to know, when I was on the boat, I came back near the end and, you know, everybody in the back was kind of patting me on the shoulder. I Like, I think I went through some kind of initiation process for divers because they were all like, been there, done that, you know, bought the t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, how'd you get out? You know, you're fine now. And everybody had their own little story. Some took um, the chewable tablets called Bonine. Um, there was actually two people there that said that they take that. Some say they did Dramamine. Some say that they did the little patch that goes behind the ear that's prescription. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Well, there's a Dramamine that goes behind your ear, but I don't know if it would work underwater. I think it would, like, No, there, there's there's a different patch. Oh. It's a It starts with a P, I think. I forget the name of it. But anyway, I had them all kind of tell me what worked for them. And for the majority of people, uh, the Bonine chewable tablets worked. And they're over the counter. So I would really love our listeners to chime in and let me know because I've got to nail down something with, you know, why this is happening. And to be honest with you, Mark, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's simply just the boat that did it to me because the last time I did a shore dive, I went in from the Hoya Shores. I swam to you know the depth. Yeah. When I came up, my stomach hurt really bad, and I probably could have gotten sick. And what Scott told me is some people can actually get motion sickness underwater. Oh wow! 
because of the, you know, your, yeah. your body's still moving and doing stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I didn't feel it until I thought maybe last time that uh, I had like bad air that had been stale or something. And that's why my stomach hurt. Yeah. But now the more I'm thinking about it, it could have possibly been motion sickness. So I may have to take these bonine tablets anytime I go scuba diving. Or you might need to get a physical and talk to a doctor about what's going on. I mean, I'm sure scuba shops could point you to specific doctors that deal with this topic, not just a regular doctor that doesn't deal with scuba divers. I don't think that it actually is as serious as needing to go to a doctor. I really do think that it was, I really do think it's motion sickness because I know how it feels and it's, it's a common enough occurrence. So I have an idea for you about running out of air. Yeah. Could you take a second tank in your arms and hug it and let it take you to the bottom so you don't have to wear weights. And then when you get low, you swap tanks. What would make you think that a tank would drop you to the bottom? It's full of air. It's heavy. It's like a balloon. No, no it's, it's not a balloon. a balloon. Those things are made yes. of steel. Yeah, you have to weigh them down. You have to weigh count. You have to wear like five or six pounds of counterweight on a steel tank, and almost eight to ten pounds on an aluminum tank. So you mean if I took a tank off the boat and just tossed it off the side, it would just float on the surface? It wouldn't sink like an anchor. Yeah. Wow. What you think? I didn't know that. I really thought they'd drop. I've never tossed one, but I know that you have to wear... No, yeah, you have to wear weights. I just thought, take extra air since you're such a heavy breather. (laughs) A a full tank may may be heavy, but an empty tank floats. That's good, so you never lose your tank. Apparently. Uh, You know what? I'm probably... I'm talking out my butt here, but... (laughs) No, I do know that an empty tank is, is light. You have to wear weights. When's your next dive? I'm still working on getting my gear together. I've gotten everything except for a BCD, which is buoyancy compensator device, mm-hmm. uh, the vest thingy, and my dive computer. Ooh. And I'm getting fins probably this week. So I just need those two things, and then I can go on dives a lot more often. The other day um, I, was, I was flying home from uh, Little Rock, and I was so impressed. There was options of things you could buy as scuba divers was in the issue, and one looked like a giant flipper tail. So both feet go in this one thing. You look like, you know, it's just a huge dolphin flipper. Huh. Not separate feet. <laughs> so you can be a mermaid. <laughs> Interesting. You should totally get that. Yeah, sure. But anyway, guys, we talk about scuba diving on this on this podcast because as reef enthusiasts, it's really the the next step in, in keeping tanks and, and, you know, having a love for this hobby. I definitely suggest that anybody get certified. Even if you live in landlocked states in middle America somewhere, there's always a lake that you can go to or you can take trips. Even if you come out to uh, San Diego for shows like Reefapalooza or Max, you can always get on a dive trip like I did. And it was, it was $100 for the boat uh, ticket mm-hmm. for three dives. But there is also other dives that you can do for 75 bucks for two dives and things like that. So it's not that expensive. Okay, not bad at all. Thanks so much. Our next section is about the product review that is currently on the front page of Reef Addicts. It's the biopellet reactor by Next Reef, model SMR1-XL, designed for solid media. It's a reactor that you hook up to control nitrate and phosphate in your system with biopellets. And I've been running this reactor for six months And I just wanted to let you guys know about the review because some of you are always looking for new gear and you're thinking about doing new things. The bottom line is I could have made the review the day after I hooked it up because what is it? It's a tube with two nozzles on the top. You put a hose in to get water in and water comes out. Done. But instead, I wanted to let it run for six months and see how it operated, see how it held up over time, and see if it really worked. And for the entire six months my tank has been set up, I have zero nitrate and zero phosphate. So the reactor works great. The pellets work great. I'm very pleased with that. 
Awesome. Wow, I can't believe you have zero nitrate and zero phosphate. I have had it like that since the beginning. And I haven't done a lot of water changes. You know, I mean, I haven't done one in six weeks uh, since I drained the container because I want to clean it. And I think I'm doing that mm-hmm. tomorrow, even if it is 105 degrees outside. I just I have to clean the container and get it set up again. Yeah. Now, I got to put in a plug for Macna, which is going to be Macna 23. It's in Des Moines, Iowa. The price is literally about to jump up. It's like in the next day or two. I didn't check my calendar, but it is coming up. So this is your last chance to get in cheaper. Then it's going to be the next price uh, hike, and you're going to be paying that. And I'm so excited for Macna, guys. I, so excited. I think you guys are going to have a great time. There's lots of speakers lined up. It's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, normally, Macna is in a hotel, and this time it's in a different location, and people are staying at two different hotels, and they come to the middle to this place to enjoy the conference. And then you go back to your hotels in the evening. I know. I don't know how that's going to be. Well, it's, that's the hardest part about Macna is you have to bring in all these people, and the place has to be big enough to hold, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people. Let's just say this. We'll put this out there. There may or may not be a hotel room party in my hotel room. Just saying. <laughs> There's always a party in Jesse's pants. I didn't say anything about my pants. <laughs> So it's going to land on September 9th, 10th, and 11th in Des Moines, Iowa. It's not too late to sign up. If you've never been to Macna before, just go. I tell that to people every year. Just go. Just do it. If you're near enough to drive, great. If you can't drive, do like I do and fly. And just enjoy yourself. Hang out with a bunch of hobbyists that love the hobby. Learn from the speakers in, in one session what could take you weeks of reading to do because they've done all the homework and they put it together in one presentation. Also want to put it out there, the week after is uh, Super Zoo in Las Vegas, and I will be there. So if any of you are Vegas fans and can tell me some cool places to go in Vegas while I'm there, or uh, you know, you're on your way to Super Zoo yourself, stop over and say hello to me. I'll be hanging out with the guys at Cobalt Aquatics, and uh, I'm really excited about that, too. Way to derail the topic. Anyway, back to Macna. <laughs> you so took that off track. Uh, There's going to be tons of vendors there where you have opportunities to buy things and ask questions and see the latest gear. You're going to have the opportunity to enjoy a a wonderful gala dinner on Saturday night, win awesome prizes, things that you're going to want to take home. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing cash. To upgrade what you own. Can you imagine coming home with a bigger tank because yours is old and here you could win a beautiful one for, you know, the price of raffle tickets? Yeah, I'm I'm bringing some bank on that one. I mean, it's awesome. And uh, let's see what else is I mean, you know, You've just got the opportunity to hang out with people every single night and drink heavily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You can't rule that out. That definitely happens with me every year. Yeah, I know. I've seen it. It's messy. <laughs> it's fun. I've seen, so, I've seen Mark sitting on the floor of a lobby with a bottle of Crown Royal next to him, literally crying because he's laughing so hard. That's what I remember from Macna. I remember that. Now, let me tell you, I was on Facebook's the page for Macna. And one person's coming from Saudi Arabia. He's not a speaker. He's not a vendor. He is a hobbyist. Is he the guy that... There's only... I don't know. This, Do you know that this, guy? This is how it works in Jesse's head. There's one hobbyist in Saudi Arabia, and he's on right. Reefatics. Is that our guy? Yeah, is that, that our, our guy. Saudi yes, Arabian of course. Reefer? That's our listener. That's our listener. That's our blogger. Yes, that's our guy. Yes, that's him. My point is, is that if... This guy can come from Saudi Arabia. You guys have zero excuse not to go. Yeah. My God, he is coming from the other side of the planet. Yeah, well, they had everybody from Papua New Guinea last year. 
Yeah, exactly. Another super long trip. So we definitely encourage you to attend. And matter of fact, if you don't, you're making a huge mistake. Agreed. You're only hurting yourself and your hobby. Agreed. And the final portion is just a little tiny plug for my brand new blog entry that I made over on reefs.com. It's a little write-up about the importance of waiting longer when you set up a tank with dry rock as compared to setting up a tank with live rock. And I just, I see lots of these systems being set up with dry rock, you know, like, well, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter what brand you get some rock, you put in your tank and you look at your tank, you've got sand, you've got water, you've got rock. You think it's time to add livestock. And I'm just saying, give it more time than you think, because the bacteria takes a long time to develop and populate across all that rock. And just putting in a piece of live rock or one or two pieces to seed it doesn't mean it's ready in a matter of weeks. It's still going to take months and months to become mature enough to handle a decent bioload. So don't. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying take your time. Enjoy yourself. Plan what you want to get. Think ahead. If you have to buy some coral now, have someone else hold it for you. Get your tank established. Get it level so you don't lose those items. Save some money. Take your time. That's what she said. <laughs> Save your money, take your time. <laughs> That's it. I don't really have any other news. I mean, I went to Little Rock. I mean, it was it was cool. It was a fun meeting. I actually spoke two times in the same meeting. Really? And then they did a coral workshop at the end showing how to go cut figure. Corals. Go go figure that. Mark figured out a way to speak two times in the same meeting. Wow. You know, I'm sure they wanted you to shut up. Actually, it was quite the opposite. I went to their website and there was an announcement. Mark is speaking about this and this right after lunch. I was like, okay. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so they got you going and coming. <laughs> Bend over, Mark Levinson. That's what she said. <laughs> Really? I, I I don't know if Back to Astroglide, true. your sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> don't talk about that. Guys, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll have another one coming out very soon. Bye. Jaylo. It's a new generation. Mr. Worldwide. I'm testing how the lazy way of holding this microphone between my boobs works. Let's see how it happens when I move. Does it rustle? Let's see. I'm loose, loose, and everybody knows I get off the train. Maybe it's the truth, the truth. I'm like Inception. I play with your brain, so I don't sleep or snooze, snooze. I don't play no games, but don't, 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 don't get it confused, no. Cause you will lose, yeah. Now, now pump, 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 pump it up and back it up like a Tonka truck. We wanted to get another podcast out to you, and we felt that we had some really good topics that are very fresh and topical. So the very first they're, thing I wanted... The, the topics are very topical, huh? This topic is more topical. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll cut it all out. This topic is so topical. <laughs> You're going to want to rub it on your skin. It's like an ointment. <laughs> it's so fresh, it's like an ointment. <laughs> all right, so we've burned 32 seconds of their life they'll never get back. Um, I made plans. Stop. One more thing. Try to avoid the word um. Um, the, and, uh, so, the, um, 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 anyway, um, the, uh, 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 um, 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 um.
uh, go, um, um, uh, and, uh, um, uh, and, uh, um, um, and, um, um, and, uh, and, uh, um, um, uh, um, 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 uh, um, um, and, uh, my, um, and, um, and, uh, um, 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 the, uh, 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 the, um, all right, cut, cut this all out. That was 53 ums. And no, that's not a record for Jesse. Straight to LA, New York, Vegas to Africa.